The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, mini episode number 20. I'm Michael, and let's get into it. So first we have the amazing art section, and we're going to start off with Leonard Ambrose Jr. from Winthrop, Massachusetts. And he's got a Michelangelo and Donatello on the cover cutting, I would assume it's, oh yes, it is. It's Garib Seamus' hair. And it says, hey Garib, what do we have to do to get on a wizard covered? Garib writes, hmm, a complete collection of your action figures couldn't hurt. No problem, Seamus dude. And it won the Winner for Gold Wizard number 17. It's pretty clever. It's pretty funny. I, I, I dig it. Uh, Donatello's wearing a wizard hat, and it's pretty funny. It's a very cute little cover. I like it. The next one is by uh, Jimmy Chung from London, England, and he is the winner of the Valiant Gold Eternal Warrior number one, and it's... A valiant character. I keep forgetting who this guy is. Is it? Is it the Eternal Warrior? I don't know. He's sort of flying away. His his legs are all kind of washed out from the from what assumes to be shooting up into the sky, flying. And it's a it's a back pose. It's it's very cool. Really artistic looking. Uh, almost looks painted in a way. Really really nice. The next one we have is by Chris Battle from Santa Monica, California, and it is a Young Blood cover of Young Blood's knockoff version of what looks like Storm. Uh posing for a camera with an eyeball in it and a slate that says Sports Illustrated like a photo shoot, and it is the winner of the gold Brigade number one. It's very uh, almost like Mad Magazine style. The next one we have is by Jason Pallone from Ontario, Canada, who's doing, I guess it's Predator. It looks like Predator, kind of standing in fire and ripping the wizard cloak in pieces. It's really cool looking. I, I just I assume that it's Predator. The next one is by Jack Gray from Aurora, Colorado, who did she-hulk she looks kind of disoriented uh, almost south park-esque i guess and she's holding the wizard sign that she's ripped from behind her which is pretty clever over her chest and there's a little caption that says i knew this logo had other uses and it has a caption that says caught while changing 
I really hate these. I really don't like them at all. The next one is of Lobo by John Torisi from Carmel, New York. And it's just this wizard half, like a half issue, which is kind of funny because this is a half issue or episode. It's pretty cool. Kind of a red background and he's wearing the cloak around him, almost like a vest that's ripped to pieces. And he's got a hook through the actual wizard hat. Then we have another Canada one, Sandy Carruthers from Prince Edward Island, Canada. And it's Wolverine, but he's sort of like Logan-y, doesn't have his full Wolverine mask on. He's got a long ponytail, and he's just like hunted down a boar of some sort. And there is a character behind him who kind of looks across between Shira, Princess of Power, and Dove from hawk and dove of dc comics i'm not really sure who this character is in marvel land though then we have james lee king from decor alabama and it is of i don't know who these characters are it says yes it's cable cat i don't know what that means it's weird it's interesting but i don't know what it is or who it's referencing and it's a bunny and a deranged looking cat i don't know you got me. This next one, though, from Adam McDaniel from Boundbrook, New Jersey, did an amazing Indiana Jones. Like, this thing. Adam, put this front and center. This is pretty crazy. This is an excellent, excellent drawing. I love it. I'm a big fan of that one. Then we've got Travis Cook from Saginaw, Texas. And it's, it's some sort of creature wearing the wizard cap in a graveyard standing over superman's tomb and there is a bunch of other headstones behind it one that says travis one that says paludo uh axel i don't know who this character is or what the there's a woman with him who is scantily clad and uh they don't have any thing but whites in their eyes i don't know who this character is or what it's referencing you got me on that one then we have a drawing by Eric Hansen from Richmond, Virginia. I think we've seen Eric before. And he's got the animated series versions of Jean Grey and Professor Xavier in this excellent drawing. They're kind of looking at you seriously as if they're ready to deploy the team, so to speak. Then you have Alexis Shepherger, Hallandale, Florida, who has this Superman Man of Steel cover. And it's a little distorted, obviously, from the scan, I guess, from when they did it. But it's really impressive. The musculature is awesome. It looks really amazing. And then we have Jacome Mosier from Fort Erie, Ontario, Canada, who did a Galactus. And he's holding the wizard up. It's pretty funny. And, and Galactus is gigantic. And wizard probably could be even smaller, I would assume. But it's very cool looking. I like it. The last one we have is by David Gonzalez from San Antonio, Texas, who there's another Wolverine, this one in, in full Wolverine garb, tearing through some sort of pastel wallpaper, and he's wearing the wizard cape and cap on his head, and there's something going on in the wizard lettering, like there's like skulls or something, it's, it's a lot going on in this page, and it's he numbered it wizard number three, which is the first time that Wolverine actually appeared, I'm amazed I remember that, so that is your amazing art section so let's dive into my kind of hero and we've got two new my kind of heroes here
The first one is by Tim McDonald from Yuba City, California. And this character's name is Bloodline. And Bloodline kind of looks like a, a cross between a, a Deadpool, Spider-Man, and sort of a Rob Liefeld type of a style drawing of where the guy's got almost no feet and like tiny little ankles. It's very strange. But the artist is cool. It's clever. He's kind of sitting in a pile of rubble. The secret identity of Bloodline is Stephen Clage. His current occupation is a photographer. That's why it kind of rings true to the Spider-Man-esque of this drawing. His citizenship is United States. His legal status is vigilante. Marital status is single. He's based in New York City. Again, little Spider-Man-esque there. His height is 5'8". Weight is 180. Eye color is blue. Hair color is blonde. And I can't tell if he's got a big ponytail coming out of the back of his hair. Or if it's just some sort of like gun smoke behind him. It's hard to tell from the picture. But his power set follows this bloodline is a superhuman with heightened physical abilities heightened physical attributes i'm sorry Ooh, different from abilities interesting uh he has strength beyond that of the average human which allows him to lift extremely heavy objects and inflict intensive damage in combat bloodline can also jump upwards of several stories and in addition he has a very fast healing factor. His origin, Stephen Clage was an aggressive photojournalist who specialized in capturing images of war, crime, famine, poverty, and all manner of pain. Kind of disturbing. At some point, the constant exposure to human suffering made him snap, and Clage's latent superpowers came to form. With the realization of his powers, Clage decided to become the masked vigilante known as Bloodline. What I want to know is, in this universe, how do we know that there's latent superpowers? Is it sort of like a The Boys kind of a thing, or is it like an X-Men sort of a thing? Hard to tell. Overall, Bloodline, pretty interesting. So the next one we've got is by Nathan C. Weber from Washington, D.C., and his character is named Kismet. And Kismet is a, it looks like a martial artist or some sort. The picture shows her bashing through a brick wall. She's got a katana on her back, and her alias is Trisha Lechese Fate. Okay. Her occupation is computer programmer. A little bit ahead of your time there, Nathan. Interesting. Marital status is single. Her base of operation is Monument City, New York. Race is African-American. Height, 177.8 centimeters. Weight, 59.1 kilograms. Okay, interesting. Age, 33. Eye color, chestnut. Hair color, black. Physical abilities. High tension muscles allow Kismet to lift 9,000 72 kilograms with a high density low weight skeleton she can sustain running speeds of up to 122.3 kilometers per hour for up to two hours increased atp production allows her body to more efficiently utilize food she can recycle waste to survive for extended periods on water alone gross okay Super gross. Um, and she can also live in a non-oxygen atmosphere. Interesting. Kismet has increased stamina, immunity to illness, and damage repair system. Is she an android? Is she a machine of some sort? She has extended vision, 
hearing, and olfactory senses. Her brain efficiency has been increased 50%, and a ROM chip implant gives her martial arts skills. Okay, so she's kind of a cyborg or an android of some sort. Weapons, a katana, a dagger, and small high-powered crossbow. Her origins are that she's an orphaned at the age of five by a hotel fire. Trisha Fate was kidnapped from an orphanage by Dr. Soho, an eccentric geneticist whose intent was to subdue the federal government with a squad of mega females. Trisha escaped before being conditioned and now uses her abilities to fight violent crimes. Cool. And that is the My Kind of Hero section for issue number 20. Before you get into Homemade Heroes, Michael, we have a little follow-up from the Toying Around section of Issue 20. So this is actually a really cool bit of news that Brian Cunningham brings to us way back when, I don't even know if we reported on it, someone inquired about a Ghost Rider action figure from the 70s, and Brian stated that he didn't know that such a thing existed. And yet now someone has sent in a photo of this action figure and it is amazing like the back of the packaging the card itself it actually features johnny blaze going from left to right transforming into ghost rider and it says two figures in one change johnny blaze into the ghost rider because it's ghost rider on a red motorcycle it's got a little ghost rider sticker on it you know, it's a skull head but then it's got yellow and red flames coming off it but then next to it is a johnny blaze head so you could literally switch the two of them and brian has this caption look at this it's the ghost rider figure made in the mid 70s the figure came with two heads ghost rider's head is on the figure and johnny blaze's head is on the right side of the package have you ever seen the like now this really reminds me of the morph figure from the Toy Biz X-Men line where you could switch his head to Wolverine to Evil Morph. I still have my Morph figure. That was like a big deal at the time. You could change the head. So it's awesome that they had figured out that technology way back then. Anyway, we'll be posting this on social media so you can definitely take a look. Now back to you, Michael. This dead man figure comes to us from the creative hands of Jeff Beckley of Missouri. Our spirit friend used to be a superpowers Martian Manhunter. I can see that. The way the head design is, it looks kind of Martian Manhunter. And there was a time when I think Martian Manhunter did have a high collar like that. It's very cool, though. Good job. The next one we have is the Black Archer. And this is interesting. The Archer is painted in, in black and yellow. And it's got an interesting mask and a serious goatee. And the Black Archer of the Squadron Supreme, one of my favorite miniseries, by the way, as per the writer of this article, was a Silver Surfer and was crafted by Trevor Illis from Brockton, Massachusetts. Now, there's a, a little segment on the bottom where it has the Legion of Superheroes, and it is all Migos, and it's got everything from Lightning Lad to, to Saturn Girl, Supergirl, Monel. I mean, it's got 
the whole gang. It's pretty cool. And it says, however, one of my favorite teams of all time is no doubt the Legion of Superheroes. Presented here are the original 24 members created from G.I. Joes and Barbies. Oh, wow. That's even cooler. The costumes were designed by M.S. Spive and the rest by their owner, Roddy M. Garcia of Houston, Texas. Congratulations. This thing is very cool. Like, if you're a Legion fan, this is pretty neat to check out. Like, it's very well done and pretty cool. I'm very impressed by this. And that is our homemade heroes section. Geeks, Adam here, welcoming you to the 2099 Hotline, the segment where I guide you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow. This time around, we're going to be discussing the first new book since the initial four launch titles in the 2099 line. While the premiere was limited to four comics, with number five, we're getting unlimited. So what is 2099 Unlimited? Simply put, it's an annual-sized anthology series printed on glossy paper stock, where in addition to new adventures of Spider-Man 2099 to lure you in, the editorial team can debut new futuristic heroes like Hulk 2099. More about that big green monster in a minute. Spider-Man 2099 appears only in the first three issues. His first story involves a villain named Mutagen who lost his young daughter to an incurable genetic illness which caused him to become obsessed with mutating himself to be able to adapt to any possibly fatal circumstance by splicing his genes with those of animals so he can grow the spines of a pork the agility of an ape, or grow the underarm skin flaps of a flying squirrel. For real, guys. Mutagen uses these powers to stop anyone who would attempt to impede his mission to kill all genetically deficient humans who would pass on their weakness to the species. Miguel happens to be in the hospital to visit the sister of a co-worker who has a disease when Mutagen attacks, and he fights the villain to a standstill, and they go their separate ways. In issue two, Spidey is battling an evil scientist who's developed a technology that essentially gets into people's brains via telephone, or in this case, vidphone, and controls them. Unfortunately, Miguel gets exposed to the tech and in a battle with some mercenaries trying to steal this technology from the scientist, he electrocutes himself to short out the control programming that says to kill the mercs, who then kill the scientist anyway, destroying all the info they needed that was only in his brain. Finally, in issue three, Miguel is touring an Alchemex subsidiary called Helix that has developed a high-speed DNA scanner, which Mutagen, there's that guy again, once in order to help him more quickly identify the genetically impure and destroy them instantly. Miguel fights Mutagen in his street clothes and his co-worker Anna discovers his identity while Mutagen tries to convince the genetically superior Spider-Man to join his cause. An explosion at the end nearly kills Mutagen, but we see his hand rise through the flames and the trauma of the event gives Anna selective amnesia about Miguel. So... All is well, Spider-Man 2099 is safe. However, you know, these stories, they're just kind of fine, but without the wit of Peter David's writing, they fall more into melodrama. Plus, I'm not really a fan of the mutagen character design. He just looks kind of stupid in all his mutated forms, and his outfit, like, works in the double helix of, you know, DNA structure, and he's got, like, this little mask on. I don't know. It just doesn't work. Now, let's get to the real star of this book, 
Hulk 2099. This ain't no Bruce Banner, I'll tell you that much. No, this is the tale of John Eisenhart, a scumbag virtual reality movie producer who's trying to get the rights to tell the story of the Knights of Banner cult in a movie. They're a group of men looking to raise true warriors who are the height of human perfection. They refuse, saying Bannerites, as they call themselves, are preparing to fight the values of John's industry. Tricking a young Bannerite named Gawain into showing him where the cult is doing research to create gamma-irradiated warriors, John takes off and unknowingly tips off the studio who hire an armored mercenary force called Sweet Dreams to storm the compound, killing the Bannerites. Realizing what he has done, John tries to save Gawain, but the child decides he's going to, quote, blow us all to Valhalla by maxing out the gamma machine and and John is caught in the blast turning him into a new Hulk. Hulk 2099 is much less human than Bruce Banner's Charlie Green Giant. It's got a long neck, a beak-like mouth with razor sharp teeth, a furry mane with a protruding stegosaurus-like back plates going down his spine and uh, did I mention a spiked tongue? Like his taste buds are spiked or something. It's so weird looking. The other difference is that John can control his transformations, but now dislikes becoming human because of his distaste for humanity in general, although he does do it when necessary to go undercover. I'll admit, all the future VR Hollywood dialogue by Gerard Jones is really hard to follow, but the art by Dwayne Turner is excellent. Very dynamic poses, and the human characters are distinct, especially a socially conscious singer named Quirk, who admires 90s artists like Ice-T, who spoke out against police brutality and gets herself in trouble for doing the same. Quirk wins my heart with her line, quote, I hate 2099. I want it to be like the 1990s. 90s again, don't we all? Another interesting bit of dialogue involves Quirk revealing that she is, quote, part Japanese, part Jewish, part Chinese, part Mexican, part African American. So Quirk is the everyman in a very literal sense, and the best part of the ongoing story, in my opinion. Once Hulk decides to save her from sweet dreams because they've been hired to shut her up, she's along for the ride. The driving force of future issues involves Hulk's guilt for betraying the innocent young Gawain, who has now been kidnapped by an evil cult leader called the Golden One, who was genetically engineered to be the complete and perfect human, then turned on his imperfect creators, and now wants the secrets of creating a new Hulk, who he deems to be an evolution beyond, quote, accidentals, aka human beings. Are you guys catching the theme here in 2099 Unlimited among these villains? Eh? Hulk pretends to be won over by the Golden One's ideology in order to get close enough to free Gawain and save him, but the villain destroys his own compound in a fiery burst of power generated from his own body as the heroes escape into what will become a Hulk 2099 ongoing series, announced as of issue 6. So all this took place over 6 issues, but really could have been handled in 1 or 2 at the most. Most issues just involve Hulk fighting a monster of the week, so mall trolls in the abandoned 30-mile mall, a sentient water monster, a red lizard mutation called Ragnarok, and most interestingly, a ghoulish Lobo clone called Volks, who has spider pinchers and octopus arms grafted onto his torso. Overall, though, Hulk 2099 is lacking in character development. You never get to know John Eisenhart or admire him like you do Bruce Banner. Quirk 
is great, like I said, but even she doesn't seem to like John all that much and is just along for, I don't know, his mission to fight the powers that be. I'll be interested to see if the ongoing series tries to do more to make him a hero that readers can relate to. The last thing I'll mention is that 2099 was also a showcase for introducing new characters into the 2099 universe, and though there were more misses like Metal Scream 2099 or Hazard 2099 than there were hits, there are two awesome new faces that deserve to be highlighted. The first is Lacrima 2099 from issue 4, who is introduced as Becca McBride, a lawyer who fought for the little guy against corporate greed, while being shot by hitmen hired by the corporations to take her out, Becca is saved by a vampire nun named Sister Lucia, who saves her life by turning her into a vampire and then teaches her in the ways of the Age of Heroes. Taking on the persona of Lacrima with punk rock clothes and leather bat wings, she drinks just enough blood from the living to survive but not kill the victim. Her motto is, quote, Heroes. Lord knows we could do with them. Let them hunt by daylight, but give me the night and scores to settle, and a chance to prove that not all vampires are evil. So, it's a pretty cool start to a story. I mean, it's, it really is just an origin. So, when she comes back, which I believe she does in later issues, I'm going to be very curious to see how they develop her story. Now, the second is a backup feature in issue number six with the kind of dorky name Galahad 2099. Yes, is a reference to a mythic night but it doesn't roll off the tongue. The story by writer Michael Jan Friedman is very cool, though. A technological genius named Ethan Shields has no immune system and has lived as a bubble boy, creating amazing inventions in solitude. Most recently, he has built a robotic suit of armor called Galahad, meant to protect heroes like the firefighter that saved him from a burning building when he was a child, but was killed in the process. An employee of Stark Fujikawa named Suzanne Carter comes to visit his lab and becomes friendly with Ethan, this tragic genius, but when a saboteur from a rival corporation takes over his construction armor to destroy his work, Ethan climbs inside the Galahad armor to save Suzanne. It's a great looking red, white, and blue design rendered wonderfully by artist Matt Ryan. It really does look like it could have been a design for Captain America 2099 if they'd wanted to go in that direction. Ethan is seemingly crushed by the giant construction armor he disables at the battle's end, but it turns out he never left his bubble, just controlled the Galahad armor remotely. He vows gloomily from his clear plastic prison, quote, There will always be a Galahad. If I can't watch over you protect you, at least he can. Galahad will rise again. I sure hope so. And there you have it. My review of the first six issues of 2099 Unlimited. I'm really interested to see which characters return to fill the void of Hulk 2099 as he leaps into his own title. It looks to be my recent captor, Doom 2099, so we'll see where that goes. But until next time, see you in the future. <laughs> And lastly, how could we forget the oh-so-wonderful wizard contest for number 20? We'll see how this goes. I haven't looked at it yet, so I don't know what we're in for, and let's just get after it and see what we got. So, 
The grand prize for wizard contest number 20 is a gold foil Wildcats number one signed by Wildcats creator Jim Lee. Okay, that's cool. It's fine. Interesting. Not the cheesiest, crummiest prize, but it's fine. First prize, a set of all the image number ones, Spawn, Youngblood, Cyberforce, Shadowhawk, Savage Dragon, Wildcats, Darker Image Brigade, Supreme, and Pit, or a set of Uncanny X-Men number 248 and 268, the first Lee X-Men art and first regular Lee art. Your choice. Okay, that's actually not the worst prize. That's pretty good. The second prize is a set of Punisher War Journal number 6 and 7, Lee Punisher versus Wolverine, or a set of the 100 Skybox X-Men cards and holograms, all by Jim Lee, your choice. Okay, again, not the worst prizes. Okay, these are all right. Okay. Third prize, a limited edition Platinum Foil Wizard 100 Most Collectible Comics Special Edition or limited edition San Diego Stamped Wizard Special Edition, your choice. But let's dive into the questions. Question number one, put the kibosh, or kibosh, if you will, on Clark. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm going to say kryptonite. Yeah, I'm going to say kryptonite. Put the kibosh on, on Clark. Number two, Liefeld's Bounty Hunter. I don't know. Who the heck is... I guess it's probably a Youngblood character. It's too long to be Cable or Deadpool. So I'm going to say it's probably an Image character, and I don't know it. So, yeah. Oh, okay. This is a Star Wars question. The Rebels Ice Planet. It's four letters. Oh, I used to know this. I don't remember it, and I... Ugh. If I heard it, I'd know it, but I don't remember it. So, And I don't like cheating, so I'm not going to cheat. Because there was no internet when this came out, so who could cheat then? So there you go. Question number four. Actor, stuntman, hero, or superhero. Actor, stuntman, superhero. It's six letters and three letters. Actor, stuntman, superhero. I don't know. I mean, my brain goes like Super Dave Osborne or something like that, but that's not who this is. Who's actor, stuntman, superhero? You got me. The next one says, Hot Babe with Psyblade. <sighs> well, it's obviously Psylocke. Great. I just, I, ugh, maybe I'm getting old, but I, I hate that stuff. It really annoys me. Okay, question number six. Star Trek's blank slime devil. Eight letters. Sorry, Star Trek fans, I don't know. Next one. Bullseye and Gambit have these in common. Five letters. I'm going to say it's cards. That feels right. Cards it is. Okay, now number eight. 
Mephisto's son. Ten letters. No clue whatsoever. None. But overall, I did okay. And that is the quiz for issue number 20. Lastly, I wanted to just talk about the promotion we have right now at fun.com and halloweencostumes.com. The Retro Network is being sponsored or sponsoring these websites for Halloween costumes and fun.com. We have a promo code that is TRN202020. That's TRN202020. So if you're in a last minute rush to find a Halloween costume that you're going to wear around your living room because people aren't having Halloween costumes, or if you just want a mask that you can say, hey, look, I'm walking around in a mask, check out those websites and use the promo code. We all appreciate it. They just sent me a sweater and I'm not a big Halloween person. I've never have been. I don't like dressing up. That's just my preference. But they sent me this really cool sweater. It was a bunch of skulls, and it's kind of scary looking. It's cool. I did a little segment that I'm going to try to drop into this episode, if I can, reviewing the websites and looking at some costumes. So we'll see if we can get that in there a little bit. Welcome. Greetings. What's up? Not too Hello. much. The only person I could think of to do this conversation with was you. Joe, can you tell us what you do at your house on most Halloweens, the madness that ensues, and your passion for the holiday as well? Oh, boy. Well, Halloween is like every day. I love Halloween. I live for Halloween. We usually dress up, and we have friends over. We watch horror movies. We deck out the house and everything. And immediately after the, the day is done, I'm planning the next Halloween like the next extravaganza. We have a little group of friends that we all get together, whether it's Halloween or not. And we watch horror movies all the time, but Halloween is like a big extravaganza. People always try and make our house for Halloween, at least as far as our group of friends go. Haven't they dubbed your house something particular? Horror Hotel is my house. (laughs) And I love it. It's the name of a horror movie. It's, a Misfits song, and I'm a big Misfits fan. It's great. I love it. Yeah. That's cool. Didn't your father-in-law even make you like a front sign? Oh, yeah. It's still up. <laughs> it's up all year round? Well, it's not usually up all year round, honestly. The pole is up. Okay. But the last one we had before this whole virus thing, mm-hmm. it was up. Mm-hmm. And then the virus thing hit, and we all got into quarantine, and I left it up as a sim- <laughs> symbol of we were, we have never left. I'm very so, sentimental in my old age. I know you are. Now, so when the sign does come down and the pole is there, do you do Festivus on like uh, December 21st, 23rd? I wish. I'm thinking about it this year, maybe. <laughs> A Festivus for the rest of us. For the rest of us, yep. <laughs> so basically what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different websites and we're going to okay. just look at a couple different costumes and maybe like, you know, outfits or whatever and talk about them and you can give your thoughts on what you like and i'll give thoughts on what i like and we'll go from there so what i'm gonna do now is i'm gonna um share my screen so Uh, that it's okay it's normal don't be afraid no there's nothing there it's just like just web browsers oh okay so um so now can you see my screen yes i can okay good totally great so now I guess I figured we'd start with men's costumes. I don't know, I guess, right? Yeah, like, sure. Now, any particular 
genre you want to start with? Well, the thing is with Halloween, like I said, I'm a huge horror movie fan, and that takes precedent over like the superhero thing, which is my other big like fandom. Mm-hmm. Halloween is meant to be scary, so let's do something scary if we can. So let's start scary. Okay. This is a good website. I've gone to this website before to order some stuff too. So they have a whole bunch of sweaters here so far, and I was told to even look at some sweaters. Uh, yeah, that's that's your thing. Remember the year you were, uh, were you Sheldon or something one year? Yes, I was. I was Sheldon one year. Yes, I did. I did do Sheldon one year because and I you did an ugly sweater one year, right, or something? Yes, and I could yeah, do see? like uh, just a Green Lantern shirt with a long sleeve underneath it. It was perfect. It worked yeah. very, very easy for me. Very. I, I am like. Uh, the lazy comic book uh, or costume person. So it works for me. That's okay. Men's Halloween costumes. Hey, do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Not regularly, but I do watch it on occasion and I I enjoy it when I do see it. Okay, there's an episode that ties into this. My Halloween costume that I'm desperately trying to do this year is... Frank Reynolds, who is Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. it's in the quarantine episode where they have to quarantine themselves. Okay. That's have cool. you ever seen that episode? No, no, but it's it okay seems, if you haven't. It seems fitting. <laughs> I should find it. Because it's awesome. What is this? What is. Um, classic Plague Doctor. Like, yeah, I've seen that around. It's, my thing is more like, I mean, even though it's not scary. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Dig it. <laughs> I knew you were going to. When I like previewed this before, I, I saw that. and I was like, oh, he's going to like this. Like For me, I'm more of a Big Lebowski kind of guy. Oh, yeah. It's classic. As, especially in like the time of Corona when I'm in pajamas 90% of the time anyway. So it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Buy this. It's fantastic. I got a beard. Nope. I got cheesy sunglasses. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is like, like you said, most of the time, like I associate Halloween with being scary. Now, like let's look at this this uh, Kane costume here, right? So, <laughs> so Kane was a pretty scary character in yeah. WWE or WWF or whatever you want to call yeah. it at the time. But like, you have to have a particular body type to actually pull this off. Like me with my dad. No, pop, I think you could do I, it. I think I you could do it. I don't think so. I no, I think you can. I got a spare tire. I need like a girdle underneath. That's okay. <laughs> Listen, it's Halloween. It's supposed to be scary. That's kind of scary. That would be scary. I would. But agree. it's also supposed to be fun for everybody. You know what I, I mean? I also don't love his like uh, you know scary mask. Like I would be afraid even wearing that. It would kind of Listen, make me on it. <laughs> it's got extra hair on it. I don't know if that's a factor, but. I don't know. I don't know either, but it's a little frightening. It would it would be cool. It would scare the crap out of people. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Crap is fine. Okay. <laughs> um, I haven't seen a single scary costume. Ghostbusters yet. is it the Ghostbuster one? If you go up a little bit, it the Ghostbuster thing is acceptable to me because I, I would agree. Like it's a it's it's a horror comedy. You know what I mean? People right. remember it for being really funny, but there's like heavy horror elements in that movie to me at least you know yeah i mean probably for me because there is no dana only zool and i live with dana so (laughs) that's true now like for me though if i was going to go with a ghostbusters costume i would want a more legit proton pack i saw that i thought that exactly when i saw that yeah or i would figure out if this would unzip and put like you know some booze in there 
convert that to some sort of hose where I could spay, spray like, you know, mixed drinks in people's mouths See, or something. Yeah. Pre-COVID, of course, because we don't want to share any kind of germs nowadays. No, totally. Yeah. I, I got to be safe. You got to be safe. Totally. I oh, get it. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. Don't forget to check out fun.com website and halloweencostumes.com and use that promo code TRN202020. And that is it for mini episode number 20. Don't forget, folks, to keep your books bagged and boarded. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.